Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book podcast that covers some recent comic book news and issues that we're reading week to week, month to month, year to year even. The inflection you had on podcast, it's like you questioned it yourself. (laughs) Just like, podcast? Are are we a podcast? Are are podcasts still a thing in 2023? Um, Here's the thing. We're going to have to transition to video podcasting. Yeah. So we're a vodcast. Unfortunately, we all have to learn TikTok dances. And we will be TikTok dancing whilst discussing comic books. You know, it used to be that podcast was the new headshot. If you wanted to make it, you had to have a podcast. Now it's a YouTube channel. Now anyone's grandpa can have a podcast. So we got to pivot. We're going to where the kids are at. We're old steady for you, baby. We were here last year, and we're going to be here this year, too. Mm-hmm. And the next year after that. Oh, we're already committing to- Unless my sciatica acts <laughs> up, and then I can't promise anything. Okay, well, great. Uh, this week, we're doing a very special episode to kick off the new year. We're looking back at the year past- it's not going to be one of those clip shows. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrible to edit. <laughs> yeah, no thank you. A lot of podcasts did clip shows, and I was like, I Really? Yeah. A lot you know of what those ones... shows have that we don't? Assistants. Yeah, yeah that's probably Professional true. Professional editors. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like a nightmare to listen to like hundreds of hours of audio and suss out what you need. But we are doing our best ofs. Mm-hmm. We're looking back on 2022. We've got some fun categories, yep. and we're just going to jump through them one by one, each give our take, mm-hmm. maybe defend ourselves if someone comes at you with some heat in the club, Yeah, but we're all a loving bunch. Yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've think... got my shields up already, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to kick it off here. I'm Greg, by the way. Oh, you want to introduce yourself? It's the best of. People, new people are we're coming gonna in. We're going to have new people onboarding, sure. I'm Greg. I'm Mike. And I am Vargas. And together, we're First Issue Club. Yes. We don't don't do bests of every week, just so you know. Right, yeah. It's not like the best of this week in comics, which is not a bad format. Which is not a bad idea. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Change the show? To TikTok. (laughs) Verbal copyright. Uh, We're going to start things off with... Best Writer. Of 2022. Mm-hmm. We're jumping right in here with one of the biggest categories. My best writer was my old fave, Mr. Kieran Gillen. Ah, oh, I knew it. I almost guessed it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, big fan mm-hmm. of the Axe event, Avengers X-Men Eternals. Mm-hmm. And Kieran helmed that. And then Immortal X-Men mm-hmm. was a killer book. That kind of gave you a little more of the political take mm-hmm. on Krakoa and X-Men lore that I think a lot of us had gotten excited about at the beginning of the House and Powers run in a, a fun way that has a little bit of action still. So great, great series, uh, prolific writer this past year who's done a ton of great stuff. If you hadn't been paying attention to the comic book community or to the comic book world, Kieran Gillen kind of just like snuck in year after year, just like hit after hit after hit. To have him at Marvel, like he has been just explosive there. It's been weird to see him, because I was a fan of his indie stuff, as I think a lot of people got introduced to him, Mm -hmm. like Phonograph and 
Wicked and Divine, right? Yeah. Was he on Once in Future? Uh, Die. Die. I'm sorry. Yes, Die. Die was a really fun book. Beautiful art by Stephanie Hans. Mm -hmm. But in any case, cool to see him move to my favorite of the big two publishers, specifically into the X world where I like to... Uh, plant my flag. <laughs> Dip your toes, if you will. <laughs> and he's been really thriving in the X-Men verse. And I'll say the same with him and Cy Spurrier, that it's been really fun to have yeah. two of my favorite indie creators write for some of my favorite all-time characters. Has been like a wish come true this past year. So I've I've been lucky. Hell yeah. To ride the train of indie writer who has come into his own, uh, my pick of the year for best writer is Mr. Chip Zdarsky. We have Daredevil. He took over for Batman. He had uh, Public Domain, uh, like the case of the Black Flamingo. Like he had a ton of Newburn. Like this year, Chip Zdarsky, I don't think slept at all. He was just busy writing and drawing for all of 2022. And uh, for me personally, um, I've been a big fan of his from the beginning. And just to to see him continue to crush it. I mean, last year he did great with Daredevil and. you know, all his indie books there. But, I mean, this year you've really seen him just jettison into a different stratosphere with his books. Yeah. So I've said this for a while where, like, people that know horror can do comedy and vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's really good to see him jump from the comedy stuff that he's known for Mm -hmm. into more serious books and still succeed. Yeah, like (laughs) uh, Stillwater. Yeah. Like, what a, you know, kind of a bizarre book and take on a story and like he is just killing it there yeah well and even his like the stuff that he did at marvel before he took over daredevil like he did howard the duck Mm -hmm. you know and and i know quinonis did some stuff too but like to do a book like howard yeah and then impress enough the higher ups to be like yeah we'll give you daredevil who's like our (laughs) prestige character right you went from howard the duck to daredevil i don't i don't don't think dan slot even made a jump that big yeah (laughs) he did the the inkling in between was spectacular spider-man yes he did a a peter parker spectacular spider-man run for a handful of issues that was great and Mm -hmm. i think that's what sealed the deal for daredevil on him Especially with like the big two publishers, if you can consistently stay on schedule for writing, yeah, I mean, I, I may it may be a little harder for artists to you know maintain that schedule, but you know, DC and Marvel really, really want you to stay on task and finish off those scripts. So, uh, you know, yeah. So my pick is a uh, you know Chip. Uh, mine is a surprise to no one that knows me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jed McKay. Oh, okay. Strange was fantastic. Strange is amazing. The death of Doctor Strange event mm-hmm. was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, he's also writing a, a little tiny book that I'm mildly interested in <laughs> called Mood Knight. Uh, which has he's been like the Marvel Batman, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's Batman but white. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Moon Knight is absolutely an incredible book. Um, and I am hoping that Jed gets the chance to do like a weird Marvel event type book, mm-hmm. um, you know, crossing over strange and maybe pull in like ghost rider and, and moon Knight, werewolf by night or whatever, you know, oh, yeah. midnight suns of some variety. Um, because I think he would absolutely crush it. And I'm really hoping he gets a chance to do some, a, a bigger character for Marvel. Not that, 
Strange and Moon Knight are small, but I, I think he could absolutely knock it out of the park with an Avengers run, a Captain America run, right? You know, Spider Woman, who, whoever, you know, give mm-hmm. him a chance. Um, well, I definitely think they have him set up for Strange for most of 2023. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they take that character. Yeah. So, but yeah, awesome pick. I love it. The the way he brought in Clea, then brought back Doctor Strange, really sets himself up to make like a really fresh footprint for the character moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if he stays on it, put together a run that's like, well, he's that that'll make him one of the names you really identify with, Doctor Strange. So there's potential for him to be a mega contributor to that franchise for sure. Yeah, Strange in particular, mm-hmm. like. In in a world of weird comic books, strange as a series is weird. Yeah, right. Like certainly in such a good way. Oh, it, totally. Like it's it's not just Doctor Strange doing weird Doctor Strange stuff. He's barely in the book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So if you if you haven't read Moon Knight, if you haven't read Strange, go check him out because Jed McKay is the dude. <laughs> All right. As you will. <laughs> right. We're going to move on to another huge topic. With best artist. And I took one of the most basic approaches to this topic as possible. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> who can draw? <laughs> and I went with another old favorite. I'm sticking with old favorites today. Mm, okay. I went with Mr. Alex Ross, ever heard of him? <laughs> the GOAT? <laughs> the greatest of all time. Hey, sometimes when you're the greatest of all time, you just have another MVP season, and ain't nothing wrong with that. Do you think Alex Ross is the Tom Brady of comic books? I mean, yeah, maybe. <laughs> as far as artists go. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, hit after hit, Fantastic Four, for Full Circle. Yeah. Covers upon covers. So let me pepper my thoughts here with like the Fantastic Four covers were one of the big reasons that I thought Mm -hmm. he had like a standout year. It's like it's interesting to see somebody who's been consistently one of the best artists in comics, like find new ways to reinvent their style, Mm -hmm. you know, this far into their career. Uh, He's taken a lot of influence from Kirby this past year did that full circle book that incorporated a lot of Kirby elements into his art, Mm -hmm. the wild colors that he's been putting into not only that, but the fantastic four covers Mm -hmm. and these incredibly rich contrasting black Panther covers are just like a whole new stratosphere for, you know, what you understood him to be capable of. Like we were all fans of his art for kind of the, hyper-realism and emotion that was put into them. Mm -hmm. And the past year was like a tour de force in pop art. Yeah, yeah. I just liked seeing that avenue change from him, and I had to give him props somewhere on my list. So he got a big one, Best Artist. Well, it's crazy when such a dynamic artist who is known you know, around the community for doing one thing kind of reinvents their style a little bit, and it, it elevates it. Almost immediately, you're just like, not only can I identify this as an iconic Alex Ross picture, but like yep. it is now changed in a way that like I'm looking at it differently than I would had he not, you know, tried a few new things in his artwork. Yeah. And that, that just, you know, 
just speaks to the brilliance of Alex Ross. The first time I saw panels for Full Circle, oh, it, dude, it, it like broke my brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and let's not forget too that in 2022, didn't he do some of those timeless variants? I think yeah, he did like right. So like a million of them. So like not only did he do like something yeah. that is new and fresh for him, mm-hmm. but he's still able to like knock it out of the park with those incredible you know headshot variant covers. Like I don't know how long it takes him to do that. Like he is just because he paints all that right. He I, works traditionally. Yeah, I don't think it's digital. That's even wilder. He's yeah. got to be able to do like one in each hand. Right, <laughs> and his like feet, like he's yeah, just, like, yeah, yeah, this weird kind of uh, creature that's in the basement drawing pictures. Yeah, yeah, he's got you know Batman in his left hand, Captain America, and then he's doing full circle with his feet. Yeah, <laughs> the dynamism of what he creates on the regular schedule, he creates it is just bewildering. Yeah. Bewildering. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, great pick. Who do you got? I have someone that has um, kind of been a favorite for me, but this year I consider them. You know, entering a world of their own, uh, Mr. Dan Mora. He has done DC World's Finest, Power Rangers, TMNT stuff, pow- just straight up Power Rangers stuff. Uh, you know, he's probably well known for Klaus and uh, any Batman cover variant that you want. Uh, Dan Mora is the epitome to me of like quintessential wholesome comic book art. Like he has somehow revitalized like the squeaky clean 1960s 70s aesthetic of DC comics and modernized it in a way that doesn't feel hokey or you know kind of derivative but any, any I mean it's it's not realistic but like it's proportionate but still dynamic in a way that feels fresh to look at in comic books page to page so i also picked dan mora hey, so wonderful i'm gonna slide right on, Go on in, in and say i think the same um i think as time goes on and he does more like interior work and perhaps his own stories mm-hmm. people will start listing him next to like doc shaner and oh yes um uh darwin cook Oh man, what a great! It's that same kind of art style, and yeah, as soon as he gets his own, uh, you know, new frontier or Mm -hmm. whatever out, he's going to be right up there with those guys. Right. I mean, DC World's Finest right now is just an amazing book, and it's kind of like it is a uh, an homage to those 1960s comics. Is like set back in that time, and so it's very playful. And, you know, Dan Moore's artwork really flourishes there in that kind of atmosphere. But, I mean, God, the guy is a, is a phenom. Like, he can yeah. draw consistently uh, for many, many books. Like, he, he put out so much work this year. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that's why he's my top pick. He just really just knocked it out of the park. And uh, everything that he put out, I was just like, I will be taking this. I'll be taking this. <laughs> I will be taking this. I remember reading Hexed on Boom. I don't know if either of you ever read that book, but really fun, like, witch comic from maybe 2010, 2012. I think, why am I still stuck on Spell hell, spell on Wheels? Spell on Wheels. When you say oh, Hexed, I was like Spell on Wheels. Yeah, but totally different. Totally different. <laughs> um, but that was my first introduction to Dan Mora. Nice. And for me, I was at the time into, I guess, the more crusty indie comics 
Sure. That, <laughs> the carpenters you know, of the world. The art style was like a little looser, and the writers were avant garde, and I felt like a comic book hipster with like my <laughs> indie comics. And then Hexed was this kind of um, well plotted fantasy story mm-hmm. that had beautiful art in it that I was like, in like. At the time, Boom wasn't that big of a publisher. And I was like, Boom comics can look like this? This is insane. <laughs> Dude, I thought the same. So my introduction was Klaus. And mm-hmm. it, it is probably it is my favorite holiday comic. Right. It's Grant Morrison, which helps a lot. But yeah. yeah, that was my first introduction. And when it was like, who is this Dan Mora guy? Because that was from like... 2010 or something too and it's like he's an unknown dude how how is this guy this good and i've never seen him on a marvel or dc book so yeah i'm glad that it's taken a while but Mm -hmm. dude needs to be on big two titles yeah i think there's a thing about his art i sorry for sticking on dan mora but he's just such a nice guy that's a nice guy i think there's something to be said and we've mentioned this on the podcast a little bit before about the influence of anim- watching anime mm-hmm. to like this next generation of artists. Yeah. And there's something about Dan Moore's art that feels like so clean, like yeah. an animation cell. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. like the coloring style that normally accompanies Dan Moore's artwork. And part of me thinks that a little bit of that aesthetic is what makes our generation, people who grew up watching Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that, like even gravitate towards it a little more. And you've mm-hmm. seen artists that are younger than him that are just coming onto the scene, right? Like sway in that direction even more. Even so. more so, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. All right, we ready for our next topic? I am. We're combining the last two. That we talked about. <laughs> We're going with best team next. So, who's your best creative team on a comic book? You can interpret this however you want. If you've got a, a I mean, I think it's a pretty standard if, interpretation. If you've got a letterer you really want to shout out or a colorist <laughs> that made it on here, um, mine is just a writer artist combo that worked mm. together on Defenders Beyond this year. Oh, with Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. Great uh, pick. Javier Rodriguez is one of those people who just has an iconic style that you just recognize right away that it's his. Mm-hmm. The I can only imagine how batshit crazy Al Ewing's scripts must be <laughs> by the yeah. time they make it to Javier's desk. And like that book is just so insane. The way Javier renders those things that are very abstract that Al Ewing is putting out in the universe for this super sci-fi crazy tale is just like such a delight to me um, every single time. Um, I I, I pick them as a combo, I think, because it takes that like wild sense Mm -hmm. of imagination to really push an artist to a place. When you have to, again, remind, remember that you've only got like a month to like put these things together. Right, yeah. <laughs> so there's not a lot of wiggle room or time for exploration. And the, the stuff that these two put together for that miniseries um, is just fantastic in my opinion. So It is crazy how like, I mean, because Al Ewing is one of those guys where he's just like, I'm a big concept 
yeah. kind of guy. And like, I, I wonder what the emails looked like back and forth to them of just like, uh, did you mean this when you uh, 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 wrote that down, Al? And he's just like, uh, yeah, kind of. Just like go with that idea uh-huh. and like see what happens. And... I wanted it to feel more transcending time-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Can you put a little ennui in there? It's just like, oh my god. Okay, so is that like blue? I don't, I don't know what you want. Um, all right, so Jordan had Pippin. Kobe had Shaq. And I think Shaq had Kobe. Whichever way you want. To I, that's do the it. way I. You think? It. Okay. <laughs> Well, in any case, Kate's had Stegman, and Donnie Cates yeah. and Ryan Stegman. I've never seen a dynamic duo that really understood what the other wanted out of a story more than Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. Yeah, uh, they have been longtime friends, uh, longtime collaborators, and you know that when you see those two guys on a book together, and they're together on books quite often, you're gonna get fucking fire. And they just, they go balls to the wall. They don't care, you know, what rules they have to adhere by. They just make the book that they want to see that they know that their fan base is going to love. And they we saw that this year with Vanish and a couple other projects. There's not much else to say about those two guys. Uh, they, they're just my favorite team. When I see them together, I'm, I, I know I'm instantly going to pre-order the book. It's kind of a shame, Um Whatever happened with Donny Cates happened with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that Marvel gets them together, together on another project after Hulk. Obviously, their Venom run was like game changing. Oh Hulk, yeah, Hulk was headed that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Not that it's gonna that Hulk is gonna tank because I think that story is still gonna be great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to see another long form. You know. 35 40 issues from those dudes. Yeah, again. I think they have it in them. Like I don't oh, yeah. I don't I don't know where Vanish is headed. I mean, you know, it issue 5 comes out, you know, pretty soon, mm-hmm. but I don't know I don't know what the trajectory is for that series. I don't know if it's limited or what they have in mind. Well, it, it's done cuz that that was a Substack book from Vanish was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I assume Donny Cates. I assume they're going to go longer. To be a mini. Oh, mm-hmm. well, fart in a can. There you go. <laughs> Still, what a great book. What a, what a couple of great creators. It's true. Um, mine is, I don't know if these dudes have worked together before, but Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Oh, baby. On Human Target. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't I don't know if it's timing. I don't know if this these dudes just work well together, mm-hmm. but it really feels like Tom King is at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Greg Smallwood is never at, been better. Never been better than these books. I I don't know what it is. That 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 series is just magic. Um, There's a secret sauce in there that there, they're not telling. It. It, I, is. it it really is like it's something I can't even like put into words. But his art and his story is just like yeah, it's just where it's at. Yeah. Totally agree. That series is so, so, so good. Those are two of my favorite people on planet Earth. Oh, on the whole planet Earth? Yes. Uh, Eight billion people, and those two top the list. Have you met them? Have how, met... how high up are we on this list? You're up there. Yes. Okay. I've only met Greg Smallwood. And, really and, nice guy. And Tom King, you assume. I just assume he's great based on his work. Yeah. <laughs> You can definitely always judge the artist by the art. Mandy writes a good <laughs> sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, our next topic was... 
best graphic novel. I know we're more floppy guys. Yeah. Do you guys <laughs> did you guys find a graphic novel to select for your best of? Uh yeah. Okay. I cheated a little bit. My man Tom King had his run on Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow published as a collected edition this oh, year. Oh, cheater, cheater. And I think if you were like you came up to me cold and were like, "Hey, I haven't Can read I have a jacket." <laughs> What's something cool that just came out that uh, I can check out in like the superhero realm? Oh I, yeah, I'd say Su- Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. It's a fucking great series. Oh, like uh, made me appreciate Supergirl way more. Yeah, it's something you can step right into without much knowledge of the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you have to know is that Superman's uh, cousin. And you're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> and it, it was a limited too, right? It was like twelve. Issues it was or twelve issues, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't have much else to say about it. It was we we talked about it plenty last year. Um, it was one of my favorite books of the year last year. So it was fucking awesome yeah. and brutal. And I think we described it as like a John Wick story told. Sure. From Supergirl's perspective. Yeah, that's a good comp. Uh, yeah, it was so so good. Um, my graphic novel. I funded in 2021, finally got to my house in 2022 from the superstar team of Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, and David Rubin. Oh, yeah. Cosmic Detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was is, a trip. Is that a cheat answer? No. Because I funded it in 2021? No. Nah, published this year. Published yeah. this year. Boom. If you haven't read it yet, um, I think it's the same team that did Ether. It's it's a great story. I mean, to have Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent writing a book together is something you never really see because those dudes are indie titans, and to have them work so well on a on a book unlike Berserker, which had uh, Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent, uh, <laughs> it is a uh, it was a treat, and it, the anticipation of getting the book kind of heightened oh, yeah. heightened the book uh, the experience for me because. Um, I know a special little treat was in the mail for me, and uh, it took its sweet time getting there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, check it out: Cosmic Detective, Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, Dave Rubin. Thank you very much. <laughs> so my best graphic novel of 2022 is kind of a cop out because I have not read Fantastic Four Full Circle yet. Oh, okay. So I went with the Sentient Deluxe Edition from TKO. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Because they recently, awesome book. yeah, they released that as a hardcover. Oh, and sneaky boy, howdy, that Sen- book is sentient is so good, so <laughs> so good. Is that also Jeff Lemire? Uh huh. Nice. And Gabriel Walta. Yeah. And if you haven't read it, you need to go buy it because first of all, TKO is changing the game, right? They they release full stories at a time, six issues or twenty dollar trade. Yeah. Great price. E- easy as pie. Um, but the story is, you know, kids on a spaceship and there's no adults. Mm-hmm. But just the, the ultimate adult of yeah, sentient spaceship. Just the spaceship. <laughs> um, the art's fantastic. The story's fantastic. It's a one and done book. And the hardcover is absolutely gorgeous. So if you missed it the first time, now is the perfect time to go check out Sentient. Uh, they usually release... Uh, in January or February, like their schedule of what books are going to come out that year for them. Because they only publish like a few, like a handful of books a year. Yeah, they do them in like waves. Yeah, which is a great way to keep the quality up mm-hmm. um, as a publisher. And I would imagine a cheaper way to do it. 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, TKO is is a great publisher. Yeah. Moving on, our next category is best ongoing. Mm-hmm. Best ongoing, ongoing meaning a comic that the numbers continue to grow <laughs> that high. Continues to go. <laughs> and once again, for me, it's Spawn. I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've already given a shout out to Kieran Gillen and Immortal X Men, mm-hmm. I'm going with the next book I look forward to the most, which is Teeny Howard's Catwoman. Oh, that's a good pick. She jumped on board as the new creative on that book and immediately introduced some new characters and plotted mm-hmm. some great storylines. Yep. And it's been one of those things that's this the first arc that seemed like a big story you're finding out was just planting the seeds of of a larger thing and i love when you stay with a book and it pays off in that way not only are we getting these digestible action adventure comics you're getting the double duty of a larger story that you feel really invested in which is a a delicate balance i think it's a lot harder to do yeah to plan that far ahead and pull something off that new readers can jump into midway through your arc and still enjoy a book that's that's a tough place to find yourself in well and no one was better suited for that than teeny howard teeny howard (laughs) honestly i think uh top five writer for me right now oh 100 with a bullet yeah her x-men stuff has been fantastic her indie stuff i've loved and i'm so stoked that she's writing such big titles at dc now as well I've gotten into Catwoman because of you, because you were just like, well, Teeny Howard's getting on there, and I was just like, yeah. fucking sold, let's go. And uh, I'm even more revitalized now because the variants are going to be done by Sweeney Boo, mm-hmm. and she is a phenomenal artist, and I think she's going to be the new artist for Harley Quinn series yeah. now. That's going to be awesome. So um, that's really fucking exciting. Yep. David Nakayama is going to start doing the covers for Catwoman. The covers for cover Catwoman. Um, in in the past year, they've been Jeff DeCall and Jenny Frizen has done variants. Mm-hmm. So that's the like. There's a lot of avenues for you to enjoy this if you're like a cover collector. Sometimes you see these amazing covers on books, and you're like. This might just be because the book's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. That we have all this amazing cover artist. We, we, you know, we got Ryan Gonzalez to do all these amazing covers because our book <laughs> can't hold its own. And we know, uh, well, and guess we, what? Know, we know you'll buy amazing They fucking Gonzales get me covers. because I will 100% get those all the time. <laughs> yep. But uh, Catwoman is, uh, is one of those books that uh, holds its own without its gorgeous covers. The, yeah, the covers are just the cherry on top of yes. the, on the pie now. Uh, so my answer for Best Ongoing uh, is a book that has been heralded, I guess, well, piloted by Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto, Daredevil. The Daredevil. series The series ended, then it did a limited with, Daredevil, with, with Devil's Reign, came back with the same creative team. Oh, and um, Woman Without Fear. And Woman Without Fear, yeah. Was part of this year. Yeah, so... Uh, the, the interesting thing for me on this, sorry to cut off your... No, that's fine. I'm done. Your, your spiel. <laughs> I'm I'll go ahead and unplug this mic. It's uh, fine. I'm immediately jumping into your segment. Um, Here's why I think you love this book. <laughs> I'll just say that like so much happened with Daredevil this year. Oh, yeah. Because of that. But when you look back 
on the year at large and see how many Daredevil issues proper were released, it's not that many because we took that break with Devil's Reign and Woman Without Fear. Right. And all of a sudden we started that new series back at uh, issue one. Issue one. That's on like four or five issues by now. Mm -hmm. But so much has happened with uh, the character and Zdarsky's done so many little offshoots and fun storylines. But um, yeah, like um, Daredevil itself the, the, only released, I feel like, yeah, less than less than ten issues, eight six issues this year, which is crazy because like Devil's Reign was six issues. Yeah, right. And it's well, you put essentially... that six issues of Daredevil and six issues of Devil's Reign, and you got a whole year worth of comics. Right. Not not to mention the the She Devil without fear, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like like I said, like he has continued from his previous year of Daredevil work into another successful year of um, you know writing for the Devil of Hell's Kitchen and. You know, it's hard as a writer, I'm assuming, to take a character that everyone loves and, you know, has their own feeling towards and why they love certain aspects of them and then just totally change it completely 100% and still have diehard fans and new fans go, this is fucking awesome. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> Do you suspect it was his idea to tie the Punisher into the hand or was it Jason Aaron? I don't. I I want to think it's like a mutual thing because they yeah. have those writer uh, summits. summits. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure they're sitting next to each other and they're just like, "Hey, what if we did this?" And they're just, and you know they're just like, "Well, mm-hmm. let's see what we can do." And yeah, I'd be interested in hearing just like how some of those things happen, just because you've got two independent arcs that are really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're married together now is. Um, kinda, Iconic, if you will. Kind of mind blowing that yeah. that much can be orchestrated between completely separate creative teams. And Dan slots in the corner like, careful, Chip. Yeah. Careful. Careful. <laughs> Don't step on my legacy, please. <laughs> the fans if, will come after you. If I see Mephesto come up even <laughs> once, you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, so that's mine. Again, this is no surprise to anybody who's ever heard me talk about this comic series, but my... Best ongoing is Department Archie. of Truth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Archie. You got it. <laughs> Department of Truth. I think that was my best last year. It's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. It is my number one read every week it comes out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it started out as kind of, it, it was X-Files. Let's just be real, yeah. right? Um, but then in classic James Tinian fashion, it becomes so, so much more than that. Yeah. Um, and it's-, it's There's Bigfoot. There is. There After is the Bigfoot. Bigfoot issues, I like, well, almost every issue of Department of Truth. I have a moment where I like set it down after I read it, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. whoa. It's <laughs> like, how how can I buy more of this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, literally, I bought the T-shirt last year at Comic-Con. Yeah. Like, yeah, we were with you. I, I ordered the uh, enamel pin that's like the little oh, Department sick. of Truth yeah. emblem nice. from the Tiny Onion store. Hell yeah. I, I just cannot get over how awesome this book is um, and how much it speaks to not only like the c- cryptid nerd in me, but mm-hmm. like how much I enjoy conspiracy theory. Right. You know, just as like uh, you know, reading about how we pe- people like weird things and believe weird things and to have all that coalesce into a comic book is so enjoyable. in a comic book that your favorite format yeah exactly well, and the fact that the its commentary on culture has stayed so relevant is scary but it also makes the book better yeah that like 
you know, when this came out, it was like we were just having the discourse on Kellyanne Conway and alternative facts. <laughs> QAnon. And, and all that stuff, right? And there's a large contingent of people still who believe what they believe. Yep. And it doesn't matter what the news says. And, you know, COVID and the fallout of the pandemic mm-hmm. has just fueled that fire more. And this book, week to week, just feels just as relevant as it did when it started. And, right. And they do it in a fun way. It's not so... You know, it's not a lot, heavy. A lot of people do these heavy-handed takes on political commentaries that you kind of are like, yeah, I agree with what you're doing, but like, I roll. Yeah, yeah I don't need the baseball bat to the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right. This there, there this does a... it in a really nu- like nuanced, fun way that even if you are like, even if the political commentary of it goes over your head, uh-huh. which I don't even know how much of a commentary on culture it's supposed to be, but it... I it think really, it just it ties lines the up line really of well. too close to art yeah. mimicking, you know, real life. Yeah. I think both sides would really like it because <laughs> it does in it, uh, indulge that animalistic side of your brain that's like <laughs> the, the government's gonna get yeah, me. Everything's yeah. gonna like it has to make sense somehow. I knew There's it. Something... I fucking knew it. Yeah. <laughs> There's greater powers at play here. Uh, I totally agree. You mentioned that like this book lives in the realm of just like fun but still kind of itches that conspiracy theory like uh ooh, what if this did kind of happen thing and it doesn't go too close to r- reality there was a book called and this is a, a a fine book i'm not bashing the book a book called the recount w- that was like basically about i kind of remember that a militia taking over the government if they didn't like the vote for the president yeah and i was like this is too real. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was written really well, and that's why I stopped reading it. I was like, this is giving me yeah, heartburn. I need a break I don't, from this. Like, like I, I get this on the news all the time. I don't want to read, like, and it was a great book. It, I don't want to dismar- disparage anyone from picking up the book, but uh, reading that for a couple of issues, I was like, okay, I have to stop. These are supposed to be fun. And and the last thing I'll say about DOT is Martin Simmons' art mm-hmm. pairs so, so well with the themes and storytelling that's happening, you know, as a, as a, whatever, as, as the story. Sure. Because it's really ethereal. It's really like mm-hmm. weird, like Steve Niles in, in, uh, 30 Days of Night. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of vibe going on. Right. It's just, it's the best book on the stands. Yeah. On that's, the stands? Yeah. Well, uh, in the, in the sleeves. Oh, on okay. The, you know, whatever. Best, best book in the sleeves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the best book that, out of sleep. It's it surprises me that that first issue isn't more on eBay, like a bajillion dollars. Yeah, right. It seems like one of those titles that's to me that book's so good that I'm like blown away that it's not like yeah. hundreds of dollars. You well, can get a, wait you can for get the a, TV deal to come through, and I that I could see this being an incredible yeah. TV show. Oh, this is like eight seasons on HBO. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> I went to four different stores to find the secret variant of that issue. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get that. I have two covers of the first issue, but I it's the normal A and the normal B. Yeah. I wish I would have gotten the one? secret one. It's um the normal cover has JFK on it. Yeah. And the secret cover Is it Lee has Harvey Lee okay. Harvey Oswald? Yeah. That's what I thought. All right. I was, I want to make sure I wasn't missing anything like super yeah. cool. No, which I mean, how great is that to have a secret cover for a book that's all about like about yeah, conspiracy exactly. theories? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they started off with like the king of conspiracy theories. It was so much fun. 
Um, okay, our next category. Best limited series. Mm-hmm. I have a question before we get into this. Yeah, you want some clarifying on limited? What if my... <laughs> How limited are we talking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if the, let's say there's thirty <laughs> issues, <laughs> spanned six years, <laughs> it was supposed to be an ongoing. Um, what if my choice hasn't ended yet, but it is scheduled to like reach an end? If it's scheduled as twelve issues or less, it okay. counts as a limited series. Okay, thank I'm, you. I would thank include you for clarifying. Max thank you. In this. Um, my best limited series is Rogues Gallery. Like gave this oh book my god what a pick a ton of love um in the middle of 2022 when it came out um uh, you know the the title of the show is first issue club we lean heavily towards talking about new series and first issues that we read mm-hmm. um the first issue of this was a great commentary on toxic fandom and where it's potentially headed and why it's so scary to celebrities to get, you know, life and death threats and fandom's perception of how involved the actors are in like decisions and and the spoiling of a franchise you love and right. and how little of their lives can influence these creative decisions that are made that they're showing up to do a job and are sometimes uh, praised and sometimes assaulted for <laughs> the the decisions that are made on screen, right? Like it's 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 scary. And the first issue was fantastic, and it only escalated from there. It stayed like a tight, small, intimate horror action story, and I love that it was only four issues because they got to start and end a thing in the right I think the right amount of issues to tell this story sometimes creators try to push things too far or um or rush things too quickly but this panned out at just the right pace and told a great story um and first time creators Hannah Rose May um this is her first time writing a comic book and holy shit knocked it out of the fucking park uh Dum Dum Vargas didn't read that who who put it out this was an image comic, right? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, we cover we covered that. It came out recently, like a few months ago. Correct. I bet it's longer than a few months ago now. It just it just time flies. Well, year. when did we come back? We took a summer hiatus. We came back in October. Okay, so as soon as we could have talked about it was October. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, unless it came out. No, yep, you're right. This is all. This is our segment arguing about time. (laughs) Time. What is it but a construct? Uh, My pick, and I'm I'm trying to make sure that it is. uh, Do you want me to go while you're tippy typing over there? Um, No, I'm just gonna go for it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Leah Williams Exterminators. Yeah, yeah, that is. I think that is. Is it limited? Yeah. Holy shit! What a good, fun read. That book rips. That book is. Yeah. Leah Williams, uh, is unabashedly fucking with the X Men book right now, and it is so good and funny, and like, girl power and like just uh, like a spit in the face of like toxic masculinity. 
and it is it's just so much fun to read. After I read the first issue, I like double took the cover. I was like, Marvel published this. Yeah, yeah. the tone of it and how uh, uncensored it is mm-hmm. was just unreal to me for a, a big two, but not like DC. You know, leans into that world with a little bit of their. Um, imprints mm-hmm. that they do but marvel's kind of straight away recently from doing the more max yeah sort of books right but this book really felt like, like i don't know how it got cleared i know i know it, it doesn't seem like something that would have gotten cleared but it shows you what a creator like leo williams can do when there aren't many constraints mm-hmm. and she's able to tell the story she wants to tell yeah it's gonna be fucking fun that book should be selling a million copies every week. Yeah. It is just a fucking gas to read. Yeah. I mean, I think in the most recent issue, they basically belittle someone for like having like a pee fetish or something <laughs> because like he locks him in a room and with no bathroom. And it's just, like, the banter she writes is just fucking gold. So yeah, Leah Williams and um, Exterminators, my That's a great pick. best limited series. It is series. a good pick. Oh, thank you. Um, I went with another big two book, uh, Aquaman Andromeda. Oh, I haven't finished by that yet. Rom V and yeah. Christian Ward. Uh-huh. Uh, three issue, you know, prestige format on black label. Um, whoever, I mean, Ram V, I guess, whoever had the idea of putting Aquaman in a cosmic horror, <laughs> Chef's Kiss. <laughs> I mean, it's it's brilliant, brilliant idea of having the horror of the ocean mm-hmm. explored with the ocean guy right <laughs> like <laughs> there's so much of the ocean that we don't know and it's like it took this long for someone to be like what if we just fucking went for yeah, it yeah what guys? if cthulhu's down there <laughs> yeah and aquaman finds him <laughs> um but the the other cool part about this book is that they uh you know i went back and reread issue one they really sparingly use aquaman the the book is told from the point of view of the crew on that submarine, mm-hmm. the experimental sub, which also great idea because you get your audience to you know identify with the people as opposed to like the superhero in the story. Right. Anyway, it, it's it's beautifully written. It's beautifully drawn. You know the art in there is absolutely insane. Christian Ward is like. A, a, a madman. He's so good. It's yeah. It, it's it's absolutely insane. So I, this is another team that I would love to see do another book in this same vein mm-hmm. with another weird DC character. You know, do a, a Green Arrow horror yeah. leaning book or something. Yeah, or in fuck, the future. do a, like a Green Lantern in space cosmic horror. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like, that needs to be explored. There's so many cool things that like if. And it just has to be like a slight turn into horror, yeah, to really just like make it make it spark. In my mind, yeah. and I'm and I'm the mind of uh, the hive, the hive the, mind, the if mind you will, of the of, many. Of, <laughs> people come to me. I get so many emails. He's a sheep, everybody. He just admitted it. <laughs> oh shit, he admitted. I control the sheep. <laughs> I am the shepherd. All right. Uh, best publisher. Best publisher. Looks like it's our next. Who did it best? <laughs> when we take a step back <laughs> and look at that 5,000 foot view, <laughs> we see nothing. Uh, I'm interested to see 
Mm-hmm. I I think all of us follow the industry pretty closely, and I thought this was our best shot of answering the same. Answering the same? Yeah. I can almost predict everyone, if I may. Yeah. You want to make you want to? I'm gonna make a bold. I'm gonna make a prediction of what yeah, we. Uh, this we, is my sports said. bet moment. I'm putting okay. a buck on each. So I think Mike D is Marvel. I think Vargas is DC, and I think Greg is Image. You know what you are. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I'm an idiot. I closed my eyes when I said that. So I, don't know. I picked DC. Oh, DC Comics. I think had a better 2022 than Marvel. I think they had a better 2022 than. Uh, image, I think Boom had an oddly quiet oddly 2022. Quiet. Very, we talked very about quiet. this yes. the other day and a couple other smaller publishers. Um, I don't know if it's like recovering from COVID or, or what, but there's... Um, like not a, ton, not a ton from Vault? Or or it could just be that the big two are sweep absolutely sweeping up independent creators and that's why they've had yeah. so many fucking kick-ass years the last couple of years is that they are sourcing good talent and me. giving them jobs. Um, but I want to shout out DC specifically for getting Chip Zdarsky on Batman, mm-hmm. big coup, getting Teeny Howard on Catwoman, my favorite ongoing title of the year. Yes, you mentioned. Rom V on Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Three... Of DC's biggest titles um, are writers that I loved at Marvel. I think some of the best writers in the industry right now, if we're talking like active writers who are killing it, who I know are going to write a good book no matter what they write, mm-hmm. uh, those are pretty three pretty high creators on my list. Yeah. And, and then, resident writer Tom King. Res- I mean, Tom King, I don't even like... Uh, Stephanie Phillips, Stephanie Williams, uh, Josh Williamson, Becky Cloonan, Dan Waters has been absolutely like I love the weird horror stuff that he's been doing. Yep. Like, um, it creeped into this year, but the Arkham City book that he started in 2021 was with that he did with Danny was so freaky and then that sort of Azrael book Mm -hmm. is just like a weird different taste from dc that i really love um tom taylor did so many amazing things with john kent um, nightwing and nightwing um a lot more headlines for dc and a lot more big moments for dc than than marvel i think well, and like they definitely, I think, transi- transitioned more into the conversation outside of comic books. Yeah. Uh, they, I'll, I'll say this: they made it onto Fox News a lot more than they did, <laughs> so <laughs> did other years. You're doing something right if you're yeah. the enemy of Fox News. If on Dean Kane's upset with you, yeah. then uh, <laughs> you're doing something right. So, not like no shots at Marvel, and I still like the majority of comics that I buy are Marvel books, mm-hmm. but I think the the amount of pull DC had with talent this year that yep. just got me to buy, keep buying and buying and buying more and more of their stories um, was great. And I think a lot of the stuff that was great at Marvel this year was tougher for a general audience. Like, 
I, I got to kind of think about this too is like Axe as an event was made for me. Like I collect old Eternals comics now and I love Kieran Gillen mm-hmm. and the convolution of X-Men doesn't bother me. Right. Um, for your average reader, that book probably sounds like a an, an encyclopedia confusing nightmare encyclopedia right <laughs> and i think the same with like books like immortal x-men were some of the best books of the year yeah but again kind of inaccessible and niche and odd um didn't kind of like trailblaze the industry like dc did in such a sweeping way so that's my pick Great pick. Um, I lost money on that. <laughs> you lost one dollar. I lost one dollar. <laughs> and if uh, old Vargi over here didn't pick DC, I'm boned. Um, but I got one right, and that's mine. Yeah. Image Comics. Uh, this is the anniversary year for Image Comics. It's like their 30th, 30th anniversary. And they did not skimp on content. They had uh, <laughs> yeah. Wildstorm putting new stuff out. Spawn had, what, eight different books all at once. Uh, and then they doubled down on bringing you fresh comics from indie creators. And I don't remember reading a book from Image this year that I didn't thoroughly enjoy. And I I am, I am an Image comic uh, fanboy. And so to have this kind of victory lap year uh, and see them pull it off so well. Because uh, don't forget, this was also an anniversary year for Valiant. And uh, what did they do? Went bankrupt, right? Yeah, I don't think they went bankrupt. <laughs> they just didn't put anything out. But I think it was great. Um, you know, they had you know Deadly Bouquet, Public Domain, Dark know, Ride, Dark Dark Ride, Vanish, Awesome. One Hex. of one of my I think a major sleeper hit that a lot of people missed was I hate this place. That book, or was, I fucking hate this place. Yeah, that's right. Fuck this place. I think was the alternate title. Bye. Kyle Starks. Kyle Starks, that's right. Uh, Friend of the show. That <laughs> book rips. It was so good. It's so fucking good. If you miss that book, buy it in trade. Like, I I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, buy it in trade and then forget you bought it and then buy it again in trade. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Image did a good job this year in regard to less empty titles. I think that's what's one of the mm-hmm. tough things with some of the creator owned um comics and publishers yeah. is that you only have so much control over like the content. <laughs> it's like someone says, "Hey, I want to release a comic book and I'm throwing money at it." And Image says like, "Yeah, we're sure. <laughs> well, yeah, we're behind you and we'll publish it and do the marketing." Yeah. Um that sometimes lends itself to like weird toy lines or weird anime shows doing like an offshoot comic book. I see what you mean. That's never really meant to be a comic book and was kind of written as an afterthought by mm-hmm. someone not very passionate about it. Right. And that's always tough when you're looking for you you expect to come to image mm-hmm. and image first issues to be a independent creator bringing their best or debuting on the scene if it's someone you haven't heard of with like right. their story that's big enough to bring to image and sometimes it's not that and it can be disappointing to buy a bunch of first issues and take a bunch of chances and not get a quality comic from them mm-hmm. uh 
I did feel a little overly inundated and not very excited about some of the throwback stuff. Say it. Say Wildcats. I mean, <laughs> Wildcats like and Wildstorm, I just don't care about that much. And some of the Rob Liefeld like variant covers I th- just didn't yeah. get me very excited. I, when when you hear that they're going to do a big like throwback, make you feel nostalgia for like the 90s mm-hmm. when they first started, I was picturing like, you know, Trad Moore does Youngbloods. You know what I sure, mean? Like, I would yeah. have loved to have seen stuff Jim like Lee's that. Jim Lee's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they had the opportunity, I think, and those guys have so many connections and so much pull, mm-hmm. I think it would have been really cool to do, st- like, stuff like Batman and Spawn, like, earlier in the year and do more sure. stuff like that. So their big to-do about their 30th anniversary left me a little wanting. Okay. And that's why DC edged image for me i think i will agree with you to a point of like in previous years image comics kind of was like a buffet yeah and they presented you with a whole bunch of stuff and you would get bloated really quick and then like kind of you know off of their books this year they really did like a five course meal with stuff like a bunch of limited series came out from like very well-known writers and artists and i think that piece the smaller piece uh, books did really really well. I liked the throwback '90s nostalgia stuff. I I ate it up. You know, I I indulged in the uh, mm-hmm. commerce of it all. But um, anyway, I'm not saying you're wrong. But I mean, image is the best. I think there's something to be said too about the effect COVID had on people monetarily and their ability to take a risk on publishing their own mm. comic book. Sure that we just had a heavier concentration of proven creators mm-hmm. at Image this year, and all the cream really rose to the top, so everything that came out was like... <laughs> nothing but cream. Yeah, nothing but cream. It was like, that was a lot of really good um, independent books this year from them. Well, I'm sorry, Greg, but oh my God. You're, you're going home broke. Uh, and also... I am putting up my shield because my publisher of the year is Boom Studios. Oh, yeah, defend. So, yes, were they were they light on content? Yes, sure. Right? Yeah, like they, no no lies detected. No lies detected. But the ongoings that they kept. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. Kept going. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, or. So, some of the best, right? They don't have a lot of them, but like once in future, right? Once in future, mm-hmm. we only find them when they're dead. Oh, that's right. Um, a little book called "Something Is Killing the Children." <laughs> okay, well, of course, if you bring out the best, well, <laughs> um, but on top of that, some of the stuff that launched from Boom this year, I'm just gonna read a couple uh, as I scroll. Mm-hmm. The approach. Did you guys read the approach? I can't remember. That was like the cover's a plane. Yeah, that's all that oh, I can remember. Oh, is that Jeremy Hahn? Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, Isn't it like a like a Cthulhu like yep. thing kind of? Oh, yeah. that book was cool. That book mm. fucking killed. It was mm. so good. Interesting. <laughs> uh, we're not calling you a liar. <laughs> You're calling me a liar. <laughs> I won't stand for it. Uh, Grim. Oh dang it! Yeah, Grim was, was good. Boom this year. Know your station. No, I was boom. Notoriously gave that a great review two weeks ago. Um, 
Mama, no, Mama was last year. I'm sorry. Many Deaths of Layla Star was boom this year. That was this year? It, it ended this year. It started in 2021. How, I, uh, it's no, boom. No, I'm not this salt, year. <laughs> not throwing salt in the cookie mix. Uh, we already talked about Once in Future. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. Oh, God damn it. Was boom this year. Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He can't, yeah. <laughs> fucking, he says, I'm going to bring a shield, and you don't have to because you're driving a tank, my man. Yeah. TMNT Power Rangers 2 I've, I've, just, have, did you, just came out. Did you read it? Yeah. How was it? It slaps. Okay. Come on. Uh, regarding the matter of Oswald's body. Oh, my God. Okay. Seven Secrets is still going. Specs. Seven Secrets is still going. I forgot that, going. that book was still going. And Vicious Circle. Oh, shit. Okay. Those are some good So, comments. So, again, did they release a lot of content this year? Clearly not. No. But the stuff they did put out yeah. is fucking bangers. But I also think they lacked a title that brought the mega buzz like we're used to from Boom. They just had, like, they've had a couple years where they've had, like, so much buzz surrounding mm-hmm. uh, a couple titles each year, right? And I, something is killing is obviously like yeah, House of Slaughter. I thought brought some early buzz, yeah. for them. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, Andy, to your point, <laughs> <laughs> you can't make fifty Fabergé eggs in a year, right? And there's a reason for that, yeah, because you have to spend a lot of time to make a quality product, exactly. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I forgot a lot of those books came out this year on Boom, and all those ones that you mentioned are fucking incredible, yeah. and I love them very, very much. Uh, all right. I'm going to lick my wounds, empty my bank account. I mean, I there's, there's obviously nothing wrong with DC, nothing wrong with Image, clearly nothing wrong with Marvel, but I, I think Boom overall had the best year. I bet if you went to like, mm-hmm. you know, Metacritic or whatever for comics and like found scores, I bet Boom would have the highest aggregate oh, no, score. Interesting. For the year. You know what Boom doesn't have though? Batman. <laughs> Ever heard of him, Vargas? The- Who? <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh <laughs> DC's Moon Knight, right? <laughs> Who man? DC's Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he got him. He, he zinged us. <laughs> There's no way around it. All right, we're hitting over an hour. Let's rapid fire. Okay, uh, or we make it two parts. <laughs> do you want to do two parts? Uh, why not? Well, we have three of categories left. Plus our, our top five. Our top five. And then if anyone has like oddball category honorable mentions they want to throw out. Rapid fire? Let's, rapid fire. Yeah, or let's, let's rapid two. Rapid fire? Let's rapid fire. All right. Um, our next category was worst moment, and I put retailers taking advantage of Peach Momoko <laughs> and, at NYCC and her yes and her low remark prices at NYCC. Yeah, I put we almost killed Peach Momoko, and she apologized for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> totally backwards. <laughs> Uh, the best worst moment for me is when uh, we had revisionist revisionist history that the first Fantastic Four movie was good. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, there was a big swell on Twitter that uh, the uh, Fantastic Four movie with uh, 
Chickless and uh, Chris Evans was good, actually, <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> and yeah. people people went to arms for that, and uh, they lost big time. Odd. <laughs> All right, rising star. I love this category. I picked Luana Vecchio. Uh, you may know her from Bolero. Oh, yeah. right. Or Lovesick. Uh-huh. Yeah. Incredibly clean lines. Yes. Is is fantastic at doing everything from like incredibly beautiful to incredibly grotesque. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things about her style that remind me of Dan Mora. I think she's going to be a megastar in 2023, 2024. Yeah, right. Uh, mine was Rose Besh. She had a fantastic uh, 2022, assaulted the cover game. Yeah. For so long, has an iconic, we kind of talked about, like, kind of dreamy anime style that people really latched on to, um, and I, you know, project nothing but great things for her in 2023. Uh, I've got David Pepos. Oh, there I don't we know, go. I don't know if it's fair to say Rising Star for somebody who's doing an ongoing Marvel book, but... <laughs> no, but, like, he was an indie <clears throat> dude and then just took off. Yeah. Um, I just got second issue of the OZ, his Kickstarter book in the mail. Yep. It's fucking baller. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The event that he does for Marvel is going to be insane. Yeah. So whatever he's putting out, pick it up. Uh, One of the categories we had was clown of the year. Mm -hmm. If you have anything for that, I picked myself for (laughs) expecting to have heard back from CBCS this year. (laughs) Me and Greg submitted some books to... CBCS, I think, in June, early June, and not a peep. Yeah. Uh, my clown of the year was Aftershock. How do you lose track of 10 to $50 million? Yeah. <laughs> I should have picked Aftershock, too. And, uh, you know, you didn't pay your creative teams or anyone at your company, apparently. So, Aftershock, what are you doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a shoe, I think. A shoe sound. <laughs> Mine is Black Flag Comics. Because of Acetate Gate. Oh, that's have you? Did you hear about this? No, I don't think so. Where they they did reprints. It was an exclusive reprint of Ultimate Fallout Four. Oh, I've seen these. And they stapled an Acetate, an acetate cover to it, to it. Yeah. and they're all getting like nine point nines because they're qualified. Yeah. yeah, but they broke their contract with Marvel, so yeah. technically those books are illegal. The oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. The the best comment I saw about it was there fucking hideous too. they're they're hideous best comment i saw was cgc should slab it and have it say first appearance of third and fourth staples in comics <laughs> <laughs> it that i remember when that happened that was a huge clown moment yeah <laughs> like and they i mean they just straight up just like yeah we broke the rules and we're trying to offload these books we couldn't sell to begin with we broke the rules because we wanted money one money the whole the idea that they're selling for as much as they are is absurd and there's a oh, yeah. he, there's a massive like signature on the back it's clayton crane yeah that is like i don't, which, I don't, which know if, I don't think he had anything to do with he did acetate. the original variants he True. did not do the acetate no that that was the publisher yeah. or the comic the comic house that did it Black Flag Comics. Was yeah. The, yeah, I don't think that logo was meant to be printed as large as it was. <laughs> no, it's enormous. <laughs> it's so big, and it just looks like why? Like why would you want this in your collection? It's pop art, baby. And why would you pay like four hundred dollars for a qualified grade? <laughs> so stupid. Um, okay, we each had our top five comics of the year. Yeah, 
Uh, my list as it stands right now is more around 10, so I'm going to have to do this on the fly. Oh, okay. Um, I think my number one, 10 Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. <sighs> oh, okay. Fantastic fucking book. Major repercussions that tied into House and Powers of X, so sleeper there. Um, sleeper hit. Batgirls. Has oh, been man. really consistent, yeah. ongoing. I think it's a Becky Cloonan book. Uh-huh. Yep. And it's just really fun. And again, one of those books that feels like very serialized and, and easy to hop into. Grimm was on my list. Good. Uh, who put that out? Shut up, Vargas. <laughs> uh, Love Everlasting. Good book, Tom King. And then I'm giving some early love, even though it hasn't paid off yet, to Gotham City Year One, just because the first few issues have been so strong. Sick. That's a great list. Tom King and Phil Hester's uh, book. Okay. My top five. Number five, Eight Billion Genies. Yep. By Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Number four, Step by Bloody Step by Cy Spurrier and Matthias Lopes and Matthias Berga. Good shit. Uh, That was the book that had no words in it. Yeah. And it was beautiful. So beautiful. Uh, number three, Public Domain by Chip Zdarsky. Have you guys read that yet? Yes. So good. Really it is. Good. It is like crushingly good. Uh, number two, Fantastic Four Full Circle by Alex Ross. Number one, Nice House on the Lake by James Tianian the Fourth, Alvario Martinez Bueno. Nice. That book rules. It is. It is like really, really, really good. It's yeah. like a cryptic mindfuck of a series i stopped reading it when they went on break because i wanted to finish the last half of it like in one in digestible one, thing. in one go Hell yeah um so my best predator on marvel oh yeah slaps if you want an action comic book <laughs> remind me who's writing that again ed brisson yep and that's why and kev walker's doing the fucking art. rules yeah uh i also had eight billion genies nice awesome book human target yes because that book's great uh, Department of Truth, obviously, and Moon Knight, obviously. Um, I do have to throw an honorable mention to All Against All on Image. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, di- I couldn't put it on the list because they've only released one issue mm-hmm. as of the time of recording. But rest assured, if it, if it continues the trajectory of issue one, yeah. well, I'll be talking about it next year. <laughs> It'll be your best of 2023. Yeah. Uh, Mike D, do you have any honorable mentions you want to like one or two you want to throw out before we sign off? I I wrote a couple other categories. I think best cover art as a whole for a series, the Poison Ivy. Oh, Maxi, yes, had insane variants um, for every single cover. Um, beautiful artwork, um, and I'm not. This is not like just because Poison Ivy is a babe and depicted as such. Mm-hmm. These are like incredible pop artists doing like amazing things with an iconic character that were like so stylistic and cool yeah but also i need another glass of water you know what i mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) my best new series was grim Mm -hmm. my best new character was binary who kelly thompson this year oh right removed the binary entity from carol danvers and made it their own thing. Its own character. Yeah. And I loved that story arc. I thought that was really fun. Um, my my favorite event is no secret. It's Axe. I thought the tie-ins particularly were so creative and such a great way to handle event tie-ins that mm-hmm. are worth your while and are really fun 
no matter what you uh, series you're a fan of, you can yeah. really enjoy the tie-in still. Nice. I think for my, my best event, uh, the what's what Jason Aaron is doing right now with the Avengers and the multiverse stuff is yeah. just it's it's yeah. classic comic book fun. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's been writing it for God knows how long. Yeah, I'll die on the hill of Jason Aaron's Avengers is good, dude. I'm right there with you <laughs> in your Boom Studios tank. <laughs> and I'll say I haven't um, given Dark Crisis much of a chance. I tried reading the first couple issues, and I was very confused, probably just because I'm not as much of a DC head as I am Marvel head, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give that another go right on. Um, next year. So some honorable mentions that I have. Um, Do a Powerbomb by Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. That made everyone's list. That's why it did not make mine, because I wanted to be a little different, but if you've read anything by Daniel Warren Johnson, you know what he presents is not what you're going to get in a story. Uh, be sure to have some crying tissues next to you because crying tissues <laughs> because this book is a tear jerker. Uh, the thing by Walter Mosley and Tim Riley that came out like mid year. Oh, yeah. uh, it's just a fun mini about the thing from Fantastic Four, and there's no real stakes, and it's just kind of a fun introspective of who the thing is. Yeah, and Ben Grimm is great. Um, What's the furthest place from here? By Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss, Ghost Cage by Caleb Goliner and Nick Dragata. That was like a three issue mini from Image, uh, Human Target, and then A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance by Rick Remender and Andre Lima Arujo. Sorry if I messed up your last name. Well, it, yeah, I think uh, needless to say, another successful year for comic books. Yeah, enjoyed a lot of great stuff. Uh, added a ton of books to our CLZ <laughs> this past year. I think I logged something like 750 comics from 2022. So uh, We won't look at how much all those were. I we'll know, just go very, forward. It's a stellar, <laughs> stellar year for comics, and we're expecting another stellar year mm-hmm. uh, this year. This year we are also bringing back our Patreon, and we're about to record the first Patreon episode of the year. Yep. And we got some gifts in the mail. From our good buddy, New Jersey Doug. NJD. So we're going to open that package and see what spoils we have and shoot the shit about um, maybe any Christmas gifts we got, things we're excited about, maybe 2023 predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, Greg has a game. Oh, Greg has a game. So uh, if you can't get enough First Issue Club, we will be over there um, each week for some bonus episodes that are a little more fun, a little looser. Yeah. Um, this is like the cutting room floor of First Issue Club proper. Yeah, exactly right. More curses. A little more curses, a little more silly. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for joining us for 2022. I know we took the summer off and you guys stayed with us when we came back. We really appreciate that. Um, I'm really excited to see what 2023 holds and what other fun comic books we can talk about. And the fact that I get to do it with you two knuckleheads um, is really fun. Yep. Best change in uh, creative team. 2022 <laughs> adding, Ad, Vargas. adding Vargas to First Issue Club you guys <laughs> you're fired <laughs> yes First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club <laughs>